We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Every year, around 2 billion people, well, they say, according to the internet, you know, Wikipedia, I think it was, around 2 billion people in the world celebrate Christmas. Uh, Now, you'd be interested to know. Now, I don't know how exactly they come to that figure. Like, um, I don't think there is 2 billion people that go to church on Christmas Day. Uh, Maybe they celebrate it by giving presents to each other. I don't know. There's, that was, that wasn't defined in the uh, information that I was reading. But it's a good question for us to ask, isn't it? Is what are we celebrating at Christmas time? You know, what is it all about? And last week we explored how Christmas is acknowledging that God has become one of us, Emmanuel. You know, God in the flesh, God becoming a human being and becoming not just a human being, but the servant of us all, giving up his rights as king and becoming a servant to serve humanity and do what it took to save us from our sin. And this week we're exploring how Jesus who became the servant of us all, was restored to his rightful place as king of all. And God outlined this plan. Like It's incredible as you look through the scriptures and see how God brought all this plan together. We see in the scriptures that 700 years, seven centuries before Jesus arrived, before there was you know, shepherds seeing angels and the star in the east and all that sort of thing. Before all of that happened, it was prophesied by Isaiah who this person, this Messiah, this Jesus who would come from God would be. And it's, here is the next one of the, in the series of the servant songs that we read in Isaiah. And we're going to read from Isaiah 42 verse 1. Remember, 700 years before Jesus was born, this was prophesied as to what he would be like. He is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. This is God speaking. And he will bring justice to the nations. How, how much we need that. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. He's not going to lead marches of protest. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. That's us, by the way, we're islands on the... We'll we'll take that one. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Maybe a passage that is a little bit more familiar to you at Christmas time. says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness 
from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God revealed to Isaiah that there would come a day when Jesus would come and serve the world and after doing so would take his rightful place as the king of the world. And if this year has showed us anything, it showed us that our world needs good leadership, right? At Christmas, we celebrate the fact, as we've been already singing in that wonderful carol, Joy to the World, our King has come. You know, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Isn't that amazing words when you think about it? Christmas is not about food and presents. Tell your children that sometimes, you know. It's about the God who created the world returning to put it right. We needed to be, you know, the world needed to be led back to the purposes of God. They needed to be led back to what God had originally intended for the world. And we need to celebrate the fact that, yes, God came. The one who, the only one that could do this has arrived and he is doing that. He's in the process of changing the world. He is in the process of putting it right. So over the last week or two, we've um, heard news that these vaccines now are rolling out for COVID-19. And it's interesting as I'm talking around different people about this is that on the whole, I think the majority of people that I'm talking to are a little bit sceptical of this vaccine. They're kind of like going, yeah, well, I might take it. I would be a, I'm not going to do a survey now, but it's just interesting talking to some of you. Some people are like, yeah, sure, jab me, you know, it's all good. Other people are like, hang on a minute, we just let's just see how this affects people and make sure it's safe first before we get too carried away. But either way, eventually it looks like scientists and virologists and people like that are going to come up with something that is going to either help or at least vaccinate us against COVID-19. And I suspect, given that this is a significant crisis in our world this year, that these people will be honoured one day for doing that work. Uh, and, and so they should be, right? Normally, these people are working in labs in the background and you, you never kind of know what they do. And then, but all of a sudden, we're very aware of our need, aren't we, for what they do. And uh, I, I can see a time where, I don't know, maybe they'll get, you know, honorary lordships or I don't know, whatever it is, or paydays. I don't know, I don't know how we're going to honour them, but there will be a... There'll be governments around the world that will just go, oh, thank you for saving our economy and saving our people's lives. So um, somehow, somewhere along the line, these people will be honoured for what they do. And in the same way, that's what Christmas is about. We celebrate what Jesus has come to do. Why? Because he's worthy of honour. Because without it, we were, we were living in our sin. We were going to a Christless eternity. The world was without hope. But the world, the hope of the world is restored when Jesus came. We need to realize that the, the world was corrupted. It was full of evil. It, need, it was full of injustice. And the one who brings justice, the one who is faithful, the one who is righteous, the only one that could save us has come. 
That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that Jesus has come. He's overcoming that injustice and evil and bringing God's kingdom. Hallelujah. That is so good. As we read in Isaiah 42 verse 1, God empowered Jesus to bring justice, to put the world to right. Let's read a little bit more about who this servant king is. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says this, The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Ponder on that line for a moment. That God was pleased that everything of his nature, power, authority, righteousness, justice, peace, and love would be in Christ. And through him to reconcile to himself everything, us and the whole world, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace with them through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus, the rightful king, who has all of these attributes, has come. That's what we're celebrating. Joy to the world. The king has come, and he is an amazing king. He is a godly king, and we need to acknowledge that. And God acknowledges this. In Philippians 2, verse 9, we read this, and this is after the passage that we looked at last week where Jesus gave up his throne and became a servant. And because he did that faithfully and served God and served God's purposes faithfully, it says in response to that, to that, that therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord." or king, if you like, to the glory of God the Father. I, I love how this passage points out this fact that God is king, that Jesus is Lord. You know, sometimes we do a disservice in our, our Christian talk uh, among ourselves. We say, you know, you've got to make Jesus Lord of your life. And by that, what we mean is that we give God control, right? That's, that's what we mean by that. But that can be kind of twisted around. It could, the inference there could be, well, for Jesus to be Lord of my life, I have to choose that. Otherwise, he's not Lord. And you go, no, 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 no. It doesn't work the other way around. He's still Lord of your life, whether you acknowledge it or not. It's just really good that you acknowledge it because then you get the benefit of it, which we'll talk about in, the, in a minute. But Jesus is Lord. That was one of the clearest and boldest declarations of faith that the Christians, the early Christians made. And it's still the foundational 
statement of faith for all Christians worldwide. Jesus is king. He is Lord. In other words, he's the rightful boss. You know, he's the rightful leader of the world. All of us who are trying to do um, other leadership in the world, we are coming under his lordship, or we should be. He's the boss. He is the Lord. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but hang on. Hang on a minute. Does he have a right to be? Yeah, he does. Because God's given him that, that authority. And if God does it, well, that's it. And not only that, not only is he given that authority and given that right, but he earned it. You can't say, well, you know, he was just you know, in the right family. Well, yeah, he was, but, but he, he earned it. He came and he paid the ultimate price for your sin, for the, the sake of all of humanity. He gave up his kingship, became a servant, and in doing so, earned his right to be king. You know, no one would want to be led by someone who doesn't deserve it or someone who hasn't earned it. But Jesus both deserves it and earned his kingship. He is the only one that is righteous. So actually what Christmas is all about is a declaration of Christians worldwide that Jesus is Lord, that the King has come. That's what we're declaring at Christmas time. You know, sometimes we get mixed up with that message and going to go, oh, you know, it's all about the, you know, King Jesus is a baby in the manger and it's not about Santa Claus and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is about a baby in a manger. That's the historical events that happened. But what's happening in the mind of God, the purposes of God, is that he's coming to restore his world. He's coming to lead us into his kingdom. Now, there is a, a process in that. We haven't seen the fulfillment of all of that kingdom yet, but we will one day. And that's what this passage is talking about. It's saying that one day, whether you acknowledge Jesus as Lord or not now, Whoever, everyone on this planet, the billions of people on this planet, everyone will bow to the lordship of Christ one day. The decision we have is will you make that decision voluntarily now or will you be compelled to do it in the future? Now here's the deal. Here's what's laid out in scripture. Here's the gospel, so to speak. Is that if you're compelled to do it in the future, either after Christ returns or upon your death, it's too late. You don't get to go, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, God. Oh, you're, you're real. You really are the king. Oh, whoops, well, sorry about that. I kind of missed that a little bit. Uh, I know everyone was talking about it, but I kind of missed that on earth. Can I do it now? He goes, no, no, no. You had your opportunity. The time of decision is now. Your opportunity to choose Christ is in this life that he's given you right now. So if you're here today and you haven't acknowledged that Jesus is king, he is the rightful leader of your life, then that's a decision that you need to make today. Don't leave here until you've made that decision. Where you've bowed the knee, you've surrendered your life to Christ. And you might say, well, why would I do that? What's in it for me? Well, there is a whole lot in it for you, but let's just set aside that for a moment because that's actually not the main point. The main point is that you'll do it because he is the Lord. It's just, it's just fact. That's just it. That's just it. You can't change it. It's who he is. You may not 
like to acknowledge a leader for who they are, and especially Kiwis, we're a bit sort of you know, wary of leadership and honouring leadership and all that sort of thing. But if there is one person in your life that you have to honour, it's Jesus. Because he is the one who gave you life. He is the one that has saved you from your sin. He is the one that will give you a future life. Only he can do that. So if that's a decision that you need to make today, we'll be praying about that a little bit later on, but I just pray that your heart would be prepared to make that decision today. This Christmas time, let it be a time where we consider what are we celebrating? And have we acknowledged the King? For those of us who have already chosen to surrender, who have voluntarily said, yeah, I bow the knee to Christ, willingly, because I see all that he has done for me, I want to follow Christ, I want to give him the honour that he deserves. The question that I'd pose to you today is, are you still giving him the worship and the honour that he deserves as your king? Have you put him in that rightful place? Now, have a look at the Christmas story a bit. Notice that the angels do this, right? Remember, they come and they sing, glory to God in the highest and highest heaven. In other words, they are honoring that Jesus, this baby in a manger, is king. And they're declaring that to the shepherds and anyone else who will listen. God does it. We, we read about that here in Philippians 2, where it says he exalted him to the highest place after his resurrection and his ascension. So if it's good enough for heaven to acknowledge Jesus' kingship, then surely it's good enough for us. And why is it so important? Why is it so important to honor Christ? It's not that he needs it. Okay, let's just clarify that. It's not like God needs sort of some ego recognition or something like that. No, no, no. God doesn't need our worship. We need to worship. Why do we need to worship? Because when we honor the giver of life, we receive the life that he has to offer. Let me say that again. When we honor the giver of life, we receive the life he has to offer. When we honor him, as we are doing in worship today, as we honor him, as we worship him, as we lift him up, we receive the life that he has for us. You see, in think about this. You don't receive anything from someone you dishonor. You receive life. You receive what they have for you when you honor what they're giving you. Does that make sense? Um, see, if you, if you look up to someone, if you see someone in your life as an influencer in your life, a leader in your life, and you, you honor them for that, then you actually receive, just in, the, in a natural sense, like setting aside the spiritual thing, you, you receive that, right? Let, let me give you an example. Like, as, as Kiwis, as I was saying before, as Kiwis, we're not that good at honouring people. We kind of want to, you know, the tall poppy thing. We want to just kind of keep everyone at the same level. But, you know, we, we'll still honour Sir Edmund Hillary, right? You know, we're still going to honour Richie McCaw or something like that. You know, there, there are, you know, things that are important to us. We're, we're going to honour those sort of people. And that's why uh, Steve Hansen and the other people that lead the All Blacks say, hey, 
you've got to be careful in your lifestyle, guys, because there are young people, there are people that are totally into sport that look up to you and they follow your example. See, because they honour you, you are an influence into them. Do you see what I mean? Whoever you honour influences you. And if you're honouring Christ, it opens the door, it gives permission for him to be an influence in your life. But if you don't honour Christ, he will respect that. Well, he will respect this in this life, and the next stage is a, a whole different story. There are consequences for not choosing Christ in, the, in this age and the next. But for now, he will respect that. He'll go, hey, if you're not going to worship me, if you're gonna not, not going to honour me as king, if you're not going to recognise me, then that's fine, but you don't receive the life that I have for you. But the opposite also works. That the more we honour him, the more we worship him, the more we receive. So are you continuing to honour Christ? What would it look like in your life to honour Christ more than you do now? What would your prayer life look like? What would your worship life look like? I suspect, no, I don't know, it's a bit more than I suspect. I know from the scriptures, from experience, from working in pastoral life, that if you make the commitment to get to know Jesus more than ever before, to exalt him, to honor him as king, he will change you. He will lead you into more of what he has for you. So give him your focus. Give him your attention. It's an honorable thing to do. What does that look like? It, what that looks like is it means giving him some time. Now, I know we're all busy, especially at this time of year, but you know, if, if someone in your life is important to you and you want to honor them, you give them time, right? Time is a very precious commodity. You give them your attention. When you come to church and you're worshipping God, you're focused on Him. That's why if you're new here and you see people kind of eyes closed or hands raised, what are they doing? They're just drawing their full attention on God, giving them themselves wholly to that focus of who Jesus is. Why? Because they, they don't want to think about all the other things that are going on in their life. They're giving God the attention that He deserves. Why? Because He deserves it. And as we honor him, we receive from him. When we honor the giver of life, we receive the life that he has for us. Here's the second challenge this morning. Do you lead others to honor Christ? There are many opportunities around Christmas time to help people see, who, who is this Jesus? Why did he come? Is he the king? Let's explore that together. Let's talk about that together. Isaiah honoured the Messiah, this coming servant king, for who he was. Paul does it in his letters that we've read, and we need to do it as well. We had the prayer meeting um, last Sunday night and just talking and, and sharing and praying together about what God has put on our hearts. And um, Lyndon shared how really the, the fundamental nature of who we are as Christians is to lead people to Jesus. The attention isn't about on us. It's not about getting people to church. Well, that's a good thing too. 
But the whole goal where this is all going is that we'd lead them to Jesus. So, you know, I pray, as we were praying before, that you would have conversations with family members and other people over this Christmas time where you'll have opportunities to explore and have that conversation and exploring who Jesus is and what he came to do. And may God anoint those conversations as you have them. Because as you honour Christ in those conversations, God will be at work in their hearts. No doubt. God's word never returns void. So as you have those conversations, God will be at work in their hearts. As the song says, Joy to the world, the Lord, the King has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart, I love this line, let every heart prepare him room. Honouring God and encouraging others to honour God as well gives God room. Gives God room to build his kingdom. Gives God room to extend his life to others all around us. Can we do that today? Is that something that we can do in this Christmas season. See, what we see from the Scriptures is that God became a servant. He became one of us to restore the world, to restore His kingdom to the world. And then He became King of that kingdom. And we can put our confidence in that King. We need to honour that King and all of who He is and all that he has done for us, because it's in that honouring process, and it's in that process of going deeper with him that we will receive more of what he has for us. I was just praying into this part of the message this morning, and um, I just felt God encouraging me to encourage some of you here today that um, over the course of this year, you've felt that there was more that God had for you. He was leading you into something deeper, maybe into a new ministry area or a new calling, and you just haven't quite seen it come about this year. And you're ending the year just a little bit tired and a little bit discouraged. And I just sense that God's encouragement to you going into the summer season is this, is spend time with him. Honour him in that time. And as you do that, there is more that you're going to receive from God. More of his presence. A clearer direction. An opening up of opportunities in and around your life. But it comes from that honouring process. It starts there. It starts by declaring that he is Lord and adjusting your life to that reality that He is Lord. And as you do that, you'll come into more of what God has for you going into 2021. And if, if that resonates with you today, maybe just as we, we're going to go into a time of communion in a minute, but as we do that, maybe just say, yes, Lord, that's what I want. I'm surrendering afresh to you because I want to receive all that you have for me. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.